Elena. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them and we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome to season four, episode two. Rock bottom. What do we do first? Though? Well, before we start any episode, well, this time we are cracking seltzer water. Sparkling water. <laughs> um, Sparkling water. And I'm actually Cheers. drinking a Diet Coke that was already cracked. Yeah. So um, episode two, we're going strong with the seltzer. Well, the sparkling waters. Yep. Well, and someday I actually might hit my Diet Coke rock bottom. Yeah. I probably <laughs> do need to stop drinking this shit at some point um, pretty soon. Um, but anyway, one the one of the reasons that we're not drinking our claws right now is that um, today's episode is a guest's story. Um, Raina, what did our guest uh, join us to talk about? Well, she came on to talk about... Um, her alcohol addiction. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this woman, Morgan, reached out to us via our Instagram. We were so happy that she did. Yes. Um, she joined us to share her story about struggling with alcohol addiction and her journey to sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really interesting story to get to engage with. Yeah. I felt like it was. Yeah. It's. Um, we haven't had anybody come on and talk about um, alcohol addiction. And no. It's just so very common. Um, we see it a lot in mainstream media and, you know, TV shows, movies, all of that. But, you know, you don't when you have a friend or know somebody that has this addiction, it's not really talked about, I don't think. Right? Not so much, unless the person, like, really gets into a program of recovery. Mm-hmm. Um and makes their life about being sober. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's like, you know, so many of us just binge drinking on the weekend and then dragging ourselves through the week. Yeah. And telling ourselves we're fine, which we got into in the episode with Morgan. Mm-hmm. Um, it gave us so much to think about. We're actually going to record a whole separate episode that will come out uh, as the next episode with just our reflections on yeah. drinking and drinking culture and addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. And we hope you all enjoy. Yes. All right. Here's Rock Bottom with Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Thanks for being here with us today. Hi. Absolutely. Hi. <laughs> We're really grateful to you for being willing to come on the show, um, for reaching out to us actually and asking if you could share your story. Um, You are actually one of the very first people who we didn't already know in some capacity who's reached out and asked to come on. And so we're extra special, um, grateful and excited to have you here today. So really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I watched you guys uh, with a friend of mine, um, or heard you guys on another earlier season. And uh-huh. I love what you guys are doing. So I thought, why not? Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, so you're here today. You reached out today um, to share with us and share with our listeners your um, journey to sobriety from alcohol. Um, and I think it's really amazing of you to um, feel comfortable coming forward and sharing what it has been like to um, live with addiction, to work toward a journey of recovery, to reach recovery. And you've reached some really big milestones. Uh, It's for you four years, right? Yeah, it was four years in February. Oh, hell yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, So, you know, we can kind of like infer why this is an important story to tell, um, especially in a culture like America that's so dominated by alcohol. Um, But why don't we just start with you kind of sharing why you think that why you wanted to tell your story, why this feels important to you to to be able to share with folks? Yeah, um, I just think it's so important. Um, It's recovery's changed my life um, and gave me a life back. Um, you know, there was a lot of people in my world that watched the slippery slope from, you know, through high school to college to my twenties into my late twenties and just watched this 
slow but steady spiral. Mm. Um, and I think towards my early addiction, a lot of people played it off like she's young, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, towards the end, people close to me realized how serious it was. Um, but I think especially a lot of young adults um, and a lot of young women don't. I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis. So I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere. You know, the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. realize how serious it is until you're kind of past that point. Um, and so I just, I like to be really open with my story. I like to be really open, um, with what I've gone through, where I'm at now. Um, a lot of it's embarrassing. A lot of it's rough. A lot of it's, um, will bring me to tears, but the difference in the last four plus years, um, and the life I've gained is so worth sharing that if even one person something clicks, you know, mm -hmm. um, and they can take steps towards a different lifestyle, then that's amazing. So, um, but like you said, in a culture that is so obsessed with alcohol and I mean, it's everywhere you go, you know, it's everywhere you go. Mm -hmm. And like, people don't question you if you turn down heroin, people question mm -hmm. you if you turn down a glass of wine at dinner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it just, it's, um, and to walk away, I was 28 when I got sober. Mm -hmm. And so being in, you know, rooms with people twice my age, triple my age, um, you know, I'm really lucky that I found this place so early in life. Um, I did enough damage along the way, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just, especially for younger people and really anyone struggling with alcohol um, or with somebody, I mean, most of us know someone who struggles with alcohol if we ourselves don't struggle with alcohol. So it's just such an important topic that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing it with us. Um, so how did your relationship with alcohol begin? Um, I'm just going to jump right in there. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> um, I was 13. Uh -huh. Um and I like a little more background. So I come from a very good family. Like my parents are amazing. Um, I'm kind of the black sheep 
uh, you could say. Mm-hmm. My brother and sister are normal. My parents are normal, um, or as we call them, and um, they're normies. <laughs> and so, um, but I started very young. Um, I have really bad anxiety disorder, um, and it helped at that age, even though it was just mm-hmm. for fun. Like, you know, you're. 13 and you find a Mike's hard lemonade or whatever alcohol you can get out of the cabinet. Um, and from there, it just was like, I still kept really good grades. I was captain of my cheerleading team for a couple of years, like very involved. Mm -hmm. Um, but then on the weekends, you know, it was just a way for Mm -hmm. me to almost become a different person. Like I didn't have to be this anxious kid, you know, Mm -hmm. I got to just let loose and it almost became my excuse for all these behaviors, Mm -hmm. like this alternate personality. And then it went into, I went away to college and joined a sorority right away. Mm -hmm. Don't regret that for a second. I met a lot of amazing, amazing people that I'm still close with to this day. Um, but just like in that atmosphere, Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. like, gave me the freedom to spiral, Um, you know, and I left college a couple years in. um, I said it was on my own accord. Um, Everyone was proud of me because I said I wanted to not drink as much. So I came Mm -hmm. home when really I was about to get kicked out of school, the sorority, the whole, all of it Mm -hmm. from my drunken behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so I come home, I'm working full time, drinking whenever I can. And still at this phase, like, I'm just the life of the party, or at least in my head, I'm the life of the party. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fun until I'm really not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, it just, I mean, it progressed and progressed and progressed. And with the drinking came the behaviors, like I said, but then just decisions on relationships I was Mm -hmm. in, uh, jobs I kept, people I hung around. it just each year, just looking back, like one, I don't know how I survived. Mm -hmm. Um, and two, like so many red flags for all those years. And, uh, yeah. So that was kind of where it started, I guess. Yeah. So mainly what, what I was hearing from you is it started because, um, to help ease anxiety. Yeah. Did you have social anxiety? Like you felt like you needed to drink to, to be around people or have a good time or, yeah. I mean, it yeah. was some social anxiety. It was more, I've just always been such an anxious kid. Like I mm-hmm. was put on Xanax at a young age just to be able like to go on flights, like mm-hmm. just being medicated that early for just to get on an airplane, like things like that. So, yeah. um, you know, noises in a movie theater, just things that like, I don't know. And so it just, yeah, it just eased any anxiety, any fears, um, mm-hmm. And it could just like relax me. But since day one, like, I mean, the first time I blacked out, I was in high school. So mm-hmm. like from day one, there's no off switch. Like that's mm-hmm. the happy hours, never happy hour. Brunch was never brunch. Um, like it, there's no off switch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it must be, it's so tricky, right? Like, and when you like joining a sorority, going to college, it, it's almost like you are perceived as like, this is just what you're supposed to do. Like it, this is just part of the developmental progression of becoming an adult, like go away mm-hmm. to school, binge drink. The weekend starts on Thursday. I, I went to Arizona state. So I went to a school where it was like the weekend really starts on Wednesday. Yes. Like, it's a five yep. day weekend and a two day week kind of. Yep mentality. And, um, I remember even when I was in college thinking to myself, like, Whoa, babe, you're drinking way too much and wonder, wondering if I was having a problem with it. And then, but people around me being like, we're just in, it's just the age. Yeah. So yeah. I was just, I was just, I was finding myself connecting with what you were saying and then wondering mm-hmm. too, as things were progressing for you, did you go through cycles of like, okay, I know this is too much. Like I got to cut back or were you like, yeah, no, this is fine. Like, this is fine. Like blowing past the red flags to use your words until it was like way too late to ignore them. 
Yeah. So I would go through phases. Um, like my mom was pretty worried early on, um, like from her childhood, she has family members that even though she's normal, she had people around her that are not, were not. And so she was very worried early on. Like she would send me care packages with like books and meditation and teas and like natural anxiety remedies. Cause I was calling my mom like at all hours of the night, blacked mm-hmm. out drunk, calling, crying. She's getting calls from Corvallis PD that they found my wallet and some random, like just things that like mm-hmm. bless her for all these years of getting phone calls and worrying, you know, it just like, so I would go through like periods of like, okay, I'll take a few weeks off or all like, it would get so bad to where like, even with like my crippling anxiety, it couldn't even bring me to drink because I was so sick over my actions while I drank that Mm. I would take a break. I'd regroup, I'd get my mind right. And then I'd be blocked out within a couple of weeks. So, I mean, Mm. it just like, I was very aware. Um, the first time I ever went to AA, I was 22. Um, I was in a really, um, abusive relationship. Um, at this point though, a lot of what was going on, he didn't want to be with me if I didn't get help for my drinking, which, okay, fair. Yes. Um, so I spent a couple months in AA and, um, from then I almost just owned the title of alcoholic. Like this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm fine with that. Like, if you have a problem with it, you can leave my life. Such an ass backwards, like, but I just took on and took ownership of what I was mm-hmm. forgetting the second part that there's a solution. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sure. Yeah. This yeah. isn't the answer. Like, yes, this is where I'm at, but this is not the answer. Yeah. Um, and so then most of my twenties, I just lived as an alcoholic without shame, almost like, mm-hmm. I mean, I there was a lot of shame involved, but I just like owned it instead of, yeah, instead it's, of doing anything about it, it you know, well, it's almost, it feels almost protective. It's like, yeah, like I don't, I don't want to stop slash can't feel like I can't stop this. Mm-hmm. So I'll just claim it. I'll use mm-hmm. it against myself before you can use it against me. Exactly. Kind of thing. Like um, yep. this protective defiance, even though, yeah. as you say, of course, like claiming it is only one half <laughs> of the equation, right. but right. exactly. Well, yeah. I also feel like culturally we're like, oh, well, that's what your twenties are for. You know, yeah. you'll, you're figuring it out. You know, yeah. so there's a lot of like leniency that, you know, a lot of things that we overlook because of age that, oh, it's, yeah. you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. In high school, really? Yeah. Like, or thinking, school. like, cause nobody goes like, oh, I found my mom's heroin. Let's do yeah. it. Like friends would be really concerned, but if you're like, right. oh, like, um, I figured out that if I can pour some of my mom's like vodka out into this water bottle, I can just put water in her back. Exactly. And, you know, we all know the tricks yeah. or like, I found yeah, exactly. this Zima, like nobody, we, we don't hold alcohol and then like street drugs don't hold the same weight, even though they yeah. have the same destructive potential. Totally. Um, well, I had, um, it was in my mid twenties. One of my, um, <clears throat> oldest friends, we had gone on a trip to Seattle together. And while we were there, I did cocaine and I'd only done it three times in my life. I say only Cause I mean, it's still cocaine, sure. but it was the third time in my life. And we were at this like campfire with some friends, like nothing crazy happened. Like it literally was end of story. Like we did it. We were around a campfire till like 4am. And then I got up the next day and moved on with life. And when we get home, I find out she's been rallying our friends to have an intervention for me for my mm. cocaine addiction. Oh, And I remember mm. freaking out like, <laughs> okay, well, if you want to take a real hard look, you don't want to talk about my alcohol addiction, like my alcohol abuse. Like Mm -hmm. that was my question. Like if you want to fix something that's spiraling, it's my alcohol, but sure. Uh You can come at me for the coke for the cocaine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just remember feeling so like, no, if you were really worried, like this is what we'd be going after. But anyway, just to kind of show you like, well, do they, did they drink too? Yeah, but not like me. 
Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Not like you, but yeah. I'm just saying it's hard to tell somebody not to drink when you're, totally. at, when you're drinking too, but if you're not exactly. doing Coke and you're like, don't do Coke, you know, we're worried about you. It's like a yeah. whole different yeah, kind of thing, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting what we will continue to like, just go with, you yeah. know, just roll yeah. with it. Yeah. Well, so what do you think were, so you, what do you think were the red flags that you were blowing past, not paying attention to, or like rationalizing to yourself? I lived in my own reality. Uh Like I, you hear people use the term like high functioning in my head. I was so high functioning. I don't even know if that's even like a real term, Mm -hmm. but like I had a great career. I had like a car, a job, a place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, like I still had all these like outside things. And so in my head, I was doing great. Mm-hmm. I was ignoring like <clears throat> my health, my spiritual health, my financial health, my relationships. Like, um, there's this part in the big book, um, which is the main book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, it talks about like all these things start to kind of spiral in your life. I'm going to butcher it. So I won't even pretend to quote it. (laughs) I can't quote things like that. But basically it starts talking about taking a hard look at your relationships, like Mm -hmm. your emotions. Are your emotions out of control? I could not control my emotions to save my life. Like Mm -hmm. just outrageous, like hot, cold, up, down. Um, Had no problem just being done with relationships like oh I embarrassed myself in front of you okay I'm never talking to you again mm-hmm. like would literally drop people like I had no value in relationships I had no problem not being invited on family trips because I was such a mess like mm-hmm. it was their loss in my opinion like mm-hmm. and I just started to lose and like isolate myself to the point where I was only in contact with a couple people mm-hmm. and like this from, even though I've had anxiety, I've always had a lot of friends, like good groups of people around me. And it was like slowly one by one, I just started letting, like picking them off, like Mm. just done, done, done. Or they were done with me. I mean, both ways. And, um, a couple of the red flags, um, besides just my behavior and my health deteriorating in all areas. Um, I had two DUIs in under a year. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully I didn't hurt anyone physically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, thank God. I don't know how I, I won't even try and go down the rabbit hole of like, yeah, yeah. one of the lucky ones, you know what I mean? Um, but I was, and, mm-hmm. but still two DUIs in under a year jail time, the whole nine still wasn't enough for me to be done. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure sitting in a jail cell, most normal people would be like, okay, what the, like, okay, this, like, Mm -hmm. and I was just irritated that I got pulled over. Like Mm -hmm. I was angry with them. So that was the reality I lived in. So that's so interesting. Like this idea of like, I have things like I have the trappings of a normal Mm -hmm. life job, Mm -hmm. car, Mm -hmm. roof over my head, money. I'm, I'm fine. Um, when in reality, it sounds like things were pretty internally out of control. Just it, I've explained it. Like my insides, my brain were literally like a blender, like mm-hmm. just at like everything constantly, just a mess, just chaos, mm-hmm. like a chaotic nightmare for years. Oh. And <clears throat> when I was 26, I got out of the really unhealthy relationship I was in for the good first part of my twenties. And everyone's like, thank God she's free. Like, hopefully this will change some in her life. Um, but if anything, I just like spiraled even faster. Mm-hmm. Like, even though I was removed from that situation, I didn't deal with any of it. I just drank through it. And mm-hmm. so it just compounded and compounded and got worse and worse. And then finally it's like, just exploded. Like just my whole life just exploded. So what does that look like? Yeah, Do you mind happened. sharing what that looks like? When yeah. You hit rock bottom, I guess. <laughs> in the yeah. I feel, like I, I feel like I stumbled down rock bottom. Like the final slippings were like lasted probably about six weeks. Um, in a six week span, I quit my job. Um, 
was doing jail time on the weekends for a DUI. Um, tried to sober up by doing whole 30. Cause that was mm-hmm. the answer was to just like detox for 30 days. Mm-hmm. I made it to day like 22 before I was drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but God forbid I put sugar or anything in my body. Right. But <laughs> so, um, but in that six week period, um, I'll, well, I'll tell the story of how I quit my job in that, which was like the start of this. So I had been mm-hmm. working in hotels for years and, um, managing a hotel assistant, managing a hotel at this point and burning the candle at both ends. And I went to, um, someone close to me and he's also a family member in the program, been sober for like 35 years. And I had dinner with him and I'm like, my life's falling apart. I need to quit my job. It's all my job. It's my job. It's my job. Didn't mention all the wine I was guzzling or any alcohol involved. Um, even though he knew like he's, Mm -hmm he's been around long enough. Um, Mm -hmm. and so at that dinner, he was like, well, what's it going to take for you to quit your job? Like give your two week notice tonight and start over, like just start over. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I can't just quit my job. Like I, like I have probably a hundred dollars in my bank account, like barely paying my bills, even though Mm -hmm. I make good money, like couldn't keep my head above water. How am I going to quit my job? And he was like, if I promise to help you get back on your feet, whether it's six, nine, 12 months, I'll make sure you're taken care of. If you just go home and quit your job. Hmm. I was like, cause do you think he knew that the job was the excuse and he just wanted to take the excuse out of the equation or. Yep. Well, I think he wanted to see what that would open up for me. Uh And so I quit my job. That weight is lifted he shows up to my work the next day with a $5,000 check saying, here's your first installment. Like, I believe in you. Mm-hmm. Let's get you back on your feet. Like, this will take care of you for a couple months. We'll reconvene, see what you're going to do, whether it's go back to school. So in my head, I'm like, my life is fixed. I'm going to re-enroll in school since I never graduated. I'm going to figure my life out and just be be good in a couple months. And... um within like three weeks, I hit my true rock bottom and never looked back. And so, um, yeah, it was on that last night I drank. It was nor, it was like any other night. Um, I found myself alone at a hockey game, which like, why, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, my dad couldn't go because my mom was in the hospital really sick. And uh, I was supposed to go with him. And so I went by myself. I took the max because that's responsible and you don't have a license and you can't drive your car and you're mm-hmm. drunk. And so I take the max. I don't even remember the first period of the game. And one of my dad's friends and his son, who I went to school with, happened to be there, had to give me a ride home. I know none of this. Um, I wake up at about four in the morning. This is going to get graphic. Um, choking on my own vomit. Oh my God. And okay. I like, I don't even know how to explain this out of body, like experience, but it was literally like, I get up and I go into the bathroom and I'm just looking in the mirror, like, you're going to fucking die. Like you are going to die. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be your fault. Like, this is it. Like you cannot go back. Like you are done. You are done. You are done. You are done. And that I hid myself in my room for the next couple of days from my roommate, from family. My parents didn't want to talk to me. They were so furious because here my mom's in the hospital. My dad's mm-hmm. dealing with that, which I adore my parents. And to put stress and strain on them like that, I just mm-hmm. look back like I hate it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but through all of this, like something was different this time. Like something inside me felt so broken, but almost so relieved that I finally just succumbed to like, I have a problem and I'm going to die because of this problem. So this is it. Like whatever it takes, everything on the table, all cards on the table, like nothing but honesty. Um, the amount of things I had to come clean with my family about in that time frame, I had to finally come clean that I had two DUIs and was doing jail time on the weekend. Like <sighs> This is, oh. I call my mom to tell her what color shirt I'm wearing every day. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, so like they didn't know secret, they knew none of it. Wow. It's wow. a lot so, of, that's so much to 
whole day yeah. of it. And so this like letting all of this out and letting it like be out in the open was so freeing for me. Um, and then obviously starting to work the steps, getting involved in the program and all other sides of recovery. Um, like, I just can't tell you what I, and until you've ever been in that moment, you can't like, you'll hear other people in the rooms describe it. And it feels the same where it's like, yeah, like I loot, like I'm done. Like, uh, this is it. Like I lay it all down. I'm done. And yeah, that's so, um, I was actually in treatment outpatient treatment for my second DUI during that time. And I had to go back into the counselor's office. So I was rated moderate for my alcohol use when I first Mm -hmm. got there and I had to go back in and say, just kidding. I lied. And -hmm. I told them my real story. And then I was like off the charts and ended up being there nine months in a three month (laughs) program. Wow. Like that's, you know, but to give myself that to then actually get to stay, I was in, I went from being in class like two nights a week to four nights a week for nine months. Like, wow, that's a lot. And I wasn't working. Like it all just kind of lined up in this weird way that like, I truly got to throw myself into sobriety and recovery. And Mm -hmm. I think the family member that helped me get there, I think he knew, like, I don't know, he knew. Mm -hmm. So obviously he couldn't tell the future, but, um, that was one of the greatest gifts I had, especially in the beginning. So yeah, it was like divine timing or intervention or yeah. whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it was not me. It was something bigger than me. I don't know what or who, but it was mm-hmm. definitely bigger than me. So mm-hmm. I just got, yeah, I got just like this feeling in my chest mm-hmm. of like, I don't even quite know how to describe it. I think mm-hmm. you talking about waking up, like choking mm-hmm. um, and having that out of body mm-hmm. experience yeah. sounds so unbelievably intense. And then, yeah. you know, I don't want to sugarcoat for people. It's not like, okay. And then then you realized you had a problem and then you went to get help and then it was fine. And now you mm-hmm. went sober. Like those first few weeks, months, that must've been brutal. Like coming, a- coming clean and then working, like tr- working the steps for the first time. I don't know. I, it sounds like that's the program of recovery that you're working. It's, like yeah. talk to us about how, like, what was it actually like on this like road to where you're at today? Um. So in the first couple of years of sobriety, I had a warrant for my arrest. I was on house arrest. I had to fight to get my license back, um, do all the steps to do that. Um, like, and those are just outside things. Um, mm-hmm. The internal stuff, like you take the alcohol out of my system. I was still a fucking mess. Like, mm-hmm. excuse my language, but I was a mess. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't know how to adult. I did not know how to adult. Um, I couldn't have, like at this point, I didn't have any real relationships. Um, my roommate at the time was heaven sent. She, we had been friends for years, but I mean, she stuck through me through it all. Um, and she was really good for me to live with. I pretty much changed everything else though. Cause a lot of times they say you need to change people, places, things, you got to change it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the only thing that remained the same was my living situation, but she was a very safe, very safe space. So no alcohol in the house. Um, you know, listen to me cry at three in the morning, mm-hmm. all of the above. And, um, but it was some of the best days of my life in early recovery, but also some of the worst, like just reliving a lot of what I had done for years, um, making amends to people close to me. Like Mm -hmm. the outcomes of those were amazing. Sitting in those, writing about those, rehearsing those, having those conversations, like that's the real shit. Like that's, but I'll tell you after doing that, the freedom it gives you and Mm -hmm. the hope it gave me and I mean, it took months and months, probably years to have a lot of people back in my life. A lot of people trust me again. Um, Yeah, it just, and getting through all the legal side of it, getting through, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's raw and it's, um, 
the best thing I've ever done. I don't, Mm -hmm. I just can't even put into words like how raw that time was. So like, I just think back to myself, those first, you know, 30 days and getting Mm -hmm. my three month chip and, um, celebrating my one year birthday, just like, uh, yeah, it just, and I don't ever want to lose that too. Cause I don't want to mm-hmm. get so far down the road to where it's like, yeah, I got this in the bag. Cause I mm-hmm. don't like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously days are a lot easier. Like I'm not sitting here with the shakes and I'm not sitting here like fiending for alcohol. Like mm-hmm. I can live my life these days, but I can't forget like how long it took to get there, you know, mm-hmm. and what it took totally. to get there. So Yeah. So what does that look like when you're in a social situation, you know, at a party or do you still get your, you know, those cravings and how do you, how how do you respond to people? Cause I know most people are like, come on, have a drink. Come on. You can take a Mm -hmm. shot with us. You know, do you, do you just not hang out with people like that or. Yeah. I don't have anyone in my circle like that anymore. Anyone that I kept around or that brought me back. Um, would probably slap a drink out of my hand because mm-hmm. they don't want to see the, me ever, ever drink again. Yeah. Um, you know, and I've luckily found a lot of spaces in recovery where I'm with other sober people. Like mm-hmm. my husband's in recovery. I met him in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, we have family members in recovery. We play in a softball league. That's all recovering alcoholics and addicts. Mm, like mm-hmm. we really surround ourselves with people, but like when yeah. I had a family thing, like, like I said, my family's normal. They'll have half a beer and be done or fine. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know how you can, I don't know how people do that. And so <laughs> neither. my um, mom does that. I'm like, I just wasted that whole I beer. Don't understand. Um, but- <laughs> yeah. so, but they're, they're totally fine like that. And so uh-huh. it just doesn't like in the beginning, everyone tiptoed around me. Um, like, I remember house sitting for my parents. I was like six months sober and my dad literally locked, put a padlock, like chains and locks on the outside fridge where he kept his alcohol. Oh, wow. And it was like a rack of beer and some, I don't even know what was in there, but (laughs) they sell it at the plaid pantry down the street. So (laughs) my mom's like, like, if she's not desperate, she's walking to the corner to go get some like at the market. (laughs) <laughs> and he was like, but I'm not going to be involved at all. Mm. And I remember sharing in a meeting, like how pissed off I was at first, like I'm six months sober and you're really going to lock your fridge. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being my sponsor, like you're only six months sober. Like they have years and years of damage that you did to unlearn. Mm. Like they're learning this new sober you. And if that's what made him feel safe to make sure you were okay mm. and you were safe, like and so now I can laugh about it, but I remember being so angry. Like I, and I didn't even take a picture, but it had like this huge lock. Like, I don't even know where you got this log or why you had it, but you know, it, but they, I mean, it took them a long time to, uh, you know, yeah, they'll never forget the things I did. I was blacked out for most of them. So a lot mm-hmm. of them, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. They're the ones living with those memories. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but now at this point, you know, I've, I've gotten all of those relationships back, but it's been a, a journey. So. Yeah. Yeah. What advice would you have for someone who is wondering if they have an issue or knows that they do and is trying to figure out like how to get started? Like, it's intimidating to just walk into a meeting. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of people do that just on their own. Like, you know what? Today's the day I'm going by myself to a meeting for yeah. strangers, you know? So like, yeah. I don't know what, yeah. what would you advise? So a lot of things helped me. And so I always like to share all of them because while AA was my main form of recovery, it wasn't the only thing I had going for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in inpatient treatment or in not inpatient outpatient I apologize outpatient treatment um my mom had randomly gifted me a book that of all things like helped so much and I recommend this book to anyone that's questioning if they might have a problem because this woman's story resonated with me so deep that um it's called a happier hour and it Mm -hmm. basically like in her eyes she was just a social butterfly that drank at events to kind of ease 
you know, ease the anxiety and have fun. But she was finding herself waking up, not knowing how she got home, losing her phone, losing her keys, wrecking her car, like all the things that I was doing Mm -hmm. on a regular basis um, to finally realizing like, oh shit, like this is a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it's one of the questions I get a lot is like more for people like their loved ones, if they have a problem, like Mm -hmm. People knew, but I was going to be the only one that could see it and do something about it. Like I had to do it. I had to get to that place myself or life had to help kick me there as you know. Um, But I mean, like if they would have forced treatment on me or forced something like that wasn't the option for me. So, Mm -hmm. um, but really the biggest thing for me, I learned, um, in a therapy session years ago was like, is it like rolling the dice when you start drinking, which is more like, we don't know what's going to happen. Like, Mm -hmm. is she going to be fun? Is she going to be mean? Is she going to throw hands? Is she going to wreck her car? Like where's she, or is she going to like end the night in one piece, like miraculously, you know? Yeah. And it was like, every time I picked up a drink, it was rolling the dice. And so that for me, was a good description of my alcoholism. Um, and then just not having the off switch, like every once in a while I could keep it together, like, mm-hmm. you know, but for the most part, and especially towards the end, like no matter how hard I tried, I always jumped off that ledge always. Mm-hmm. Were so. you a uh, angry drunk or Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I was really, I describe it more as just sloppy. Mm-hmm. Like my 28th birthday, my parents get a call from a bartender. I was asleep in a bathroom stall at like seven o'clock at night. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the, like just sloppy yeah. mm-hmm. and no regard for anything. Like I would drive, I would, I would just end up everywhere I shouldn't be. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> I just, I really yeah. appreciate you sharing that level of detail to yeah. help people like really understand where you were at, mm-hmm. where you've grown to, and how serious it is. Because right. again, yeah. it's so easy to yep. to write it off. Um, and I also really appreciate you making the point about. You know, because I even was going to ask, like, do you have advice for friends and family? And you kind of gave mm-hmm. it like the advice is like the person kind of has to get there, mm-hmm. which is hard. That's a tough pill mm-hmm. to swallow. Like as someone who has people who I'm very close to, who um, friends and family who um, struggle with addiction, many of whom are now like working a program of recovery, the lead up to the point of like the person getting sober is really fucking scary like mm-hmm. there's um you're just kind of white knuckling every day or wait like is today the day that they're that I'm going to get the call that like something cat truly catastrophic has happened mm-hmm. um yeah. and we don't want to admit that we are powerless over it but at the same time it's like the person is powerless over their addiction and I'm not god so mm-hmm. like I don't not a deity so like friends and family kind of just having to like uh, sit with that powerlessness is really hard mm-hmm. um yeah. Which I think is different from, like, you can, from not, from, like, you can still be there for the person, like, mm-hmm. you know, and you empower and agency over how you can choose to interact, but truly, like, no one's in control of in sobriety except for the person experiencing the addiction. Yep, absolutely. And that, and like you said, like, you don't have to be involved or, you know, sit and take any abuse from them or, you know, I'm proud of the people that walked away from me. I'm thankful for the ones that stayed, but I'm proud of the ones that did walk mm-hmm. away and put that distance because I was just dragging them through more shit, you know? And, yeah. um, you know, I never lost my parents completely, but um, I've never seen such disappointment in my mm-hmm. dad's eyes than after my last drunk. And like, that's burned in my brain forever. And uh, yeah, it just we hurt a lot of people. It's a very selfish disease. Um, and we hurt a lot of people along the way. And like you said, it is so serious. And like, for me, like not to be dark, but it was life or death, you know, Mm -hmm. especially towards the end there, it was life or death. And Mm -hmm. I have to remember that severity of it 
when I'm out living my life and you catch some weird wind in the summer where you're like, man, a beer on a patio sounds good. And then it's like, you got to play the tape. Like, no, it does not. (laughs) Burning your life to the ground that you've just worked so hard for does not sound like a good time. So, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, your story is so relatable. You know, we hear the, the narrative quite a bit of, you know, started drinking in, you know, when I was a teenager and then to college and then, you know, there's something, you know, within that each individual, whether or not that behavior continues or on what level that mm-hmm. continues. Um, so, you know, I think this is such a great story to share because we see what can potentially happen if you, you know, continue down that road and, mm-hmm. um, don't realize it until, yeah, until, you are waking up like that and you're like, holy shit, like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, because we do like to play it off. And I will only speak for myself because I, I do drink and I like that narrative is like my narrative (laughs) since I was 13 years old, you know, um, and everything. Yes. I have a job. I'm responsible. I I call myself like a responsible alcoholic or whatever. Like it's Mm -hmm. like a good thing, you know what I mean? But it's, it's not, you know, and I definitely struggled with, alcohol and the mental hangovers and Mm -hmm. all of that. And it's still something that I continue to struggle with. And so, so that's why it was important for us to have you on the show as well is because it is something that, um, that we, you know, even in our earlier seasons, you know, cracking claws and, you know, we talk about drinking, which there is a healthy amount of drinking. And then that's where Mm -hmm. like, there's such a fine line, right. It's like, where, but I think if you think inside, like if there's something inside of you that's telling you you have a problem, I think you should listen to that voice. Yeah. I mean, I think I should probably listen to that voice as well. Yeah. Or even you know, just, like, like even fuck. if you explore it, you know, just yeah. to see what that means. You know, right, like when exactly. I went to my first meeting when I was 22, and mm-hmm. I left there like I am not like these people. Mm-hmm. Like this is not for me. But then I go back when I'm 28, and I'm like oh, I found my people. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like my yeah. sponsor was 32 years older than me and she's one of my favorite people on this earth. And just connecting on that level with someone who was doing the same shit I was doing just 30 mm-hmm. years prior, um, you know, this time around in the rooms, like I did feel at home and I did find a home group and I did find a community of people. Um, but then I also started playing the recovery softball you know, mm-hmm. and then I met my husband. I was six weeks sober when I met my future husband. Oh, are not you not a, supposed to be in a relationship nope. for the first year? <laughs> yep, not recommended. Um, How'd so you all get around that? It, it worked for me. Um, it doesn't always work for other people. Mm-hmm. And my sponsor at the time was like, if it doesn't interfere, like go for it. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he had a year sober. I was barely six weeks sober, still a hot mess. I don't understand why he stuck around. Um, but now, you know, we've been married over two years and we have Mm -hmm. a 17 month old daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we're both in great careers. We both work from home, um, Mm -hmm. get to have our daughter here. Um, I can drive again, like Mm -hmm. all these things kind of started to, you know, come back and, uh, through all the work, but. Mm -hmm. It is interesting. Um, and congrats on all of that. Um, but (laughs) I know it was like, you know, a little windy road to get there. Um, but it is interesting that your, your 22 year old self went there. And that's kind of what I think about when like you go into an A group, you know, an AA group and like, you feel like you don't have enough years behind you to, to validate your alcoholism. Like or, you got to burn your life down a little bit longer before yeah. it counts or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. Which yep. is like hit or miss with, with some of these programs, you know? Um, but I guess it's whatever works for you, but I guess I wouldn't want anybody to shy away from, you know, getting help because you think you're not, um, you're not, that's the addict brain talking. Yeah. Yeah. That's like finding, well, for a lot of people not to therapize too much, but (laughs) it is like, well, I'm only this age. I am not as bad as these people. Therefore I don't have a problem. Therefore Mm -hmm. I can keep doing the thing that I'm really scared to stop doing. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's a way to rationalize it for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there's, you know, I don't, I should have researched this before we started recording, but I have heard that like alcohol use is down in the generation younger than us. Like, um, 
Gen Z drinks a lot less, is like a lot more willing to like just be sober or damp, which is okay. like, like damp, I guess, like is an approach to alcohol that's like truly just the like people that drink half a beer and then they're like, that was a nice oh. sip of beer with my dinner, like just living like a lifestyle that doesn't revolve around alcohol and party. Yeah. That's interesting. Which I think like people our age, like, um, I'm an elder millennial, like, I don't know, maybe Gen X, maybe millennial, yeah. like everything revolved around drinking and partying for yeah. people our age, I think, and older. And it's like, I just heard, but yeah, I'm mean, like one of those people that's like, I heard something done, no research to bear. <laughs> no, I mean, it but, makes sense because like mental health is, is so much talked, more talked about yeah. nowadays than it was. Yeah when we grew up and it's because of the accessibility, you know, through all social media and there's, and then there's more things to do, I guess, you know, I'm like, we grew up in such a small little bubble. I feel like, because Mm -hmm. we didn't have access to, to all these things that you see, you know, but so (laughs) we drink through it. They're like, what else is there to do? You know, you drink, you know, but (laughs) there are plenty of other things to do. (laughs) It's easy to think about like, how you have to like teach yourself to like it. Like I remember the first time I had alcohol, I thought it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever tasted. It was Jägermeister. Mm. I hate it. It was horrible. And, and yet we like force ourselves to learn how to tolerate it and then learn to like it. Cause that is like the socially acceptable thing to do. Yeah. Just even plug your nose and chug. I know Mm -hmm. taking a shot, I would gag, but get me another one. You know what I mean? It's just because we're all trying to reach that. It's the mental, you know, it's not, it's like this, it's just a numbing thing that we, we do, I guess. Yeah. I used to break out in the worst hives. Like I'm completely allergic from drinking to alcohol. Yeah. I would get hives on my face, on my fingers, like Uh the weirdest blotches. And my answer would be to carry makeup to cover it. Mm. Just like, so people would stop asking me, like, Mm -hmm. are you sure you're okay? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Let me drink, you know? Yeah. Like that's insane. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The things that we continue to do. Mm-hmm. Like I would throw up for eight hours the next day, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. hungover, and then like, like this is like you like a vicious cycle, like throw up forever, and then have like two or three days of a hangover, mental hangover, mm-hmm. start feeling okay, normal, you know, by Thursday, Friday, oh, feel great, let's do it all over again. Let's hope yep. that I won't be throwing up for eight hours the next day. Yep. You know, like it's just a, I don't know what. It's a disease, I suppose. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, I'm thinking, I'm just really feeling like so much admiration for you, Morgan, like what it takes to really kick an addiction. It's not the same thing. I'm on three days, day three of no cigarettes. It's really nice. I love smoking cigarettes, Um, but I'm obviously trying really hard to quit because it's disgusting. And I don't want to, I feel like if I turn 40, a smoker, I'm going to be one. Mm-hmm. you know um yeah. maybe that's the wrong way to think of it but like I've got to quit and I'm just and, but here's my little I know all the reasons why not to do it and here's my little brain like well maybe on the way home from Raina's house today though I can just get a pack I'll keep it in the car so that Santi my partner doesn't see it when I get home I can go straight to the bathroom to brush my teeth really like it's like I know that cigarettes and alcohol are different in the short, in short-term impact, it's just as horrible and destructive long-term for health. But like my little brain wants to like come up with like the way I can do it and keep it a secret and no one will have to know. And it's just one cigarette. And it's, and then that turns into like, I can sustain that for like a couple days. And then by day five, it is like 10 cigarettes again in the day, mm-hmm. instead of just one that I like sneak in the car. And I, yeah. You know? That's my husband. Um, he's had a, he says he's had a harder time with cigarettes mm-hmm. when he kicked cigarettes um, after our daughter was born. Like that was harder than alcohol and he drank for years. And so it's, I mean, it's, it's so you're valid. Easy. It's valid. Don't yeah. start smoking kids. I know. And it's so crazy because these things are fucking legal. You know what I mean? Totally. Just like, yes. yes. Oh, they just know that you're addicted. We're addicted yeah. to these things, yep. you know? And yeah, we do have those, those thoughts, you yeah. know, yep. how, to, how to rationalize <laughs> it and justify. It's so silly too. Cause like, I, like, I, 
try to eat healthy food. I exercise for like at least an hour a day. And then I smoke 10 cigarettes. It makes no sense. So I'm just feeling like inspired by your story. I'm feeling inspired, I guess, to tell on myself about my little secret plan I had in my head for the drive home (laughs) that now I will not do since I told on it. And just feeling inspired, like, you know what, like be conscious about what you're consuming. You don't really like, why do you really think you need this? Like the, it is the physical, the, the physical side of it, but there's a whole other emotional connection to oh. the habit. Yeah. And oh, it yeah. have inspired me to like, think about that while I drive home today, instead of like executing my secret plot that would have been planned. extremely <laughs> obvious when I yeah. got home. Cause I smelled <laughs> like cigarettes, but anyway, yeah. thank you for the inspiration yeah. today. <laughs> yes um so anything else we want to go over with Morgan you know I is there anything that we that um we haven't hit on that you usually want to make sure that people um hear from you that you know that you want folks to be thinking about in terms of your story or what it takes to recover from addiction Um, boy, I mean, really, I know you'll hear this from so many people in recovery, but that it's possible. Um, Mm -hmm. like if you would have asked me five years ago that this would be my life, I would be over four years sober in an active program, like actively wanting to share my story and stick my hand out to newcomers. Um, I wouldn't have believed you like this just, Mm -hmm. it's, um, I am so thankful that I took that rock bottom um, moment of defeat, whatever that was, that Mm -hmm. awakening. Like, I'm glad that I took that and ran Mm -hmm. because I don't know that I would get that again. Mm -hmm. If I would have kept drinking or if I were to go back out, I don't know that I would have another one in me. I Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know that I would be that lucky. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the hardest things in the rooms is watching people come and go on that revolving door Mm -hmm. and it breaks my heart. You know, I've seen them, I've been there. Um, I just like, if you're struggling, stick your hand out, someone will grab it. Um, Mm -hmm. one of us will grab it, whether it's, um, you know, like I'm, I'm open in every aspect of my life with my recovery. I'm even open at our job. Um, they know I'm in recovery. Um, Mm -hmm. Because if I can reach somebody even in that space, like I felt safe enough there to be open about who I am, because mm-hmm. if there's somebody else there that needs to hear that, like, because it can be lonely in, in, in social settings where it's normally yeah. not okay to talk about being an alcoholic, you know, mm-hmm. um, like your place of business, like, are they going to trust me? Are they going to look at me different? Like mm-hmm. I felt safe enough to just say, fuck it. This is who I am. This is my story. Um, and like, I've had two promotions in the last three years. Like I've, it's just gone that's really great. well, you know? That's so and great. so that's not for everyone to do it that way. That's just how I've done it. And it's worked mm-hmm. really well. Um, but just again, if you're struggling, like stick your hand out, stick your voice out for someone to catch you. Um mm-hmm because you can't do this alone. You know, it's, it is so personal and it is so, so, so personal, but you also need that community around you. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever that looks like, whatever program you're in, whatever friend group, family, whatever it is, um, we're out there. Like there's a lot of us and mm-hmm. you'll find your people. Um, you know, not every meeting is for you. Um, like I was told once, if you've never been pissed off in a meeting or didn't like a meeting, like you haven't been to enough. So like, you know, it's not like certain ones aren't for certain people, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, but if you stick around long enough, you'll find your group, you know, mm-hmm. in your groove. So talk about it. You know, the more we talk about these things, you realize mm-hmm. that you are not, you don't have to go through it alone. There's other people that may be suffering in silence. Um, you know, you can help each other out. Um, yeah. yeah. So I love, you know, when you said like, put your voice out there, you know, just yeah. somebody will be there to listen or to help you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've met people in the weirdest situations that mm-hmm. whether it was through social media, um, at work in different social settings that I didn't, you know, I needed to meet, they needed to meet me. Like people find each other, you know, mm-hmm. and, 
and we're not, we're not bad people. We've just made some choices, you know, it's like, no matter what the story is, whether, you know, how far you've gone, like, we're not bad people. Mm-hmm. We've just, you know, have some bumps in the road that. Yeah. Millions of Americans yeah. struggle with some kind of an addiction, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, it's the most isolating feeling, but you're actually the furthest from alone. So <laughs> yeah. many people mm-hmm. know that, know what that feels like. Yeah. Okay. If, if someone's listening to this and they're like, Oh, maybe I do want to go to a meeting or like check mm-hmm. this out. Like what's the best way to get connected to a recovery community in your opinion? Um, so there's a few ways. Um, I was lucky enough to know people already in the recovery community that I could just call and say, Hey, take me to a meeting. Um, and also when I got looped in at the outpatient treatment, um, they connected us to meetings. Um, but there's, it's online. If you just search either recovery programs, AA meetings, mm-hmm. I mean, there's multiple programs. And so that's just the one mm-hmm. I have experience with. Um, mm-hmm. but it, they'll give you a list of meetings online. There's even an app you can download oh, um, nice. that will tell you where to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but if you don't want to go alone, um, you know, I don't know how open people want to be, but throw it out on social media. I feel like everyone shares everything on social media Mm -hmm. as well. Like, or reach out to someone if you know they've struggled, you know, let's go to a meeting. Can you take me to a meeting? Show me what it's about. Mm -hmm. Um, We're out there. So I'm not the most public person, um, but it's not a secret, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would hope that if someone like in my community was struggling, that they could, you know, DM me or text me, Mm -hmm. let's go to a meeting. and, you know, I've had people reach out about family members and stuff like that, that I've offered to take to meetings or mm-hmm. just sit and have coffee with, um, you know, just to, again, share my story and my experience with why it's worked so well for me. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of resources. Definitely um, Google, though, if anyone just wants to go to a meeting and just see what it's about there, they usually give an opportunity at the beginning. Is there anyone here in their first, you know, 24 hours? Is there anyone here in their first 30 days? Like mm. raise your hand if you're willing to be a sponsor. Um, those are the people to look to, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to talk to them after they don't have to be your sponsor, but at least, you know, that they're ready to put their hand out and have a conversation. So, mm-hmm. um, like they say, when you're a kid, look for the adult, look for the mom in the room. Like if you're lost, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. yeah, look for those people in the room. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. That's really helpful. Definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing so much of yourself. And um, to our listeners, um, we will put some of the res- resources that Morgan's referring to in our show notes. We'll post it on our socials. We'll make sure that people um, find ways to access resources. If you're listening to this and thinking that's something you might want to do. So thanks for enlightening us and helping, um, probably helping show a few people the way through this episode. So thank you guys so much. Yes. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.